Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my god, I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hey everyone, Peter here. This is part two, sort of, that's totally stands alone. So if it's your first time listening, go ahead, enjoy the episode. It's great, but we do make a few references to the previous episode, so if you haven't listened to that consider going back and listen to that one first. Up to you, free country. This was a tense one for me to edit. It's about me realizing a lot of stuff about myself. And since we recorded this two or three weeks ago, I've gone through some massive life changes. And so editing this and listening back to it was really, which is an Australian noise that means stressful. So go forth and listen and check out my Kickstarter, draculasfeast.com. It is live at the moment, and it is kicking dicks and taking names, which is another Australian expression that means doing very well. Even if you just pledge a dollar, that is super helpful for like the algorithms and stuff like that. We're currently the Featured Games Project, which is pretty fancy, but check out the page. You'll see the game, and you'll want to get the game, because it is freaking awesome. Anyway, enjoy the episode, enjoy my Kickstarter, and enjoy the dulcet tones of me and SJ as we romance your ears for the next... 45 minutes. There's that Neil Gaiman speech, Make Good Art, and he talks about moving towards your mountain. And I remember there was a point at which I freaking hated that idea because I was like, fuck you and your stupid mountain, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, explain, the, explain the metaphor. So it's like, whatever you're doing, just try and identify your mountain and move towards it. And <laughs> that's, not, that's not explaining, that's just repeating. What's your mountain? That's what I didn't like about the thing. I didn't know what my mountain was. What What does mountain mean in this metaphor? Oh. Do you mean physically find a mountain? No, obviously I don't mean physically find a freaking mountain. <laughs> I said explain the metaphor and you didn't. You explain the metaphor. I don't know. I'm asking you what it means. Oh, you genuinely don't know? Oh, okay. That's why I'm like, what does this mean? You're like, oh, so it means find your mountain. I'm like, oh, what, what, like an actual mountain? You're like, no, obviously. So your, your mountain is like your calling, you know, the thing that you are born to do. Maybe not. Oh, the thing that. that you can uniquely do. Yeah, your thing. Move towards that. Right. So for Neil Gaiman, it's like, I want to be a writer. I want to write books. I want to write Neil Gaiman books specifically. So his mountain is that. And so... His choices have been to try and move towards that mountain. And I always hated that because I was like, I don't fucking know what my mountain is. Like, I'm not like I want to be, you know, for me, what I'm interested in is usually not about the form, as in it's not about I like writing or I like making songs or I like podcasting. It's about the content, if that makes sense. The experience. Yeah. And I, I think that's also what he means, though. I know that I was just younger and, you know, this, oh, like, okay. you know yeah. I was just cynical and annoyed that I hadn't, I wasn't already at my mountain, you know. <laughs> I'm 22. <laughs> How have I not accomplished the greatest things I'm ever going to accomplish? Yet? I think part of that moving towards your mountain is also, there's all these other mountains and some of them are more clearly defined and make sense. So it's really easy to move towards those, to be like, 
oh, social enterprise. Oh, I understand what that would look like. And I have people that I could speak to about that thing and they'll do that thing. And I think that may be what I want to do. I'll just go over there. Yeah. And so much of trying to do, like trying to find an authentic path is about saying no to the things that don't quite fit. So this 100% like exactly relates to all I've been thinking about for the last three days now. On the same wavelength. Are you sure that we don't have ESP? Pretty sure. I, f- I think our, uh, our relationship would have probably been a lot better if we'd had ESP. <laughs> have our periods synced? No, that's not really a thing, you know? I am aware of that, yes. It's, it's such a, such a uh, prevalent myth. You know, I actually haven't looked into the research which says that it's not a thing. I just know that you did and you told me that. Uh, I haven't looked into it for a few years, so maybe, maybe the information I was looking at was not reliable, but my understanding is that there's definitely not a thing. So... The thing about the mountain is that there's... I'm I'm just going to use that metaphor because I think it's an interesting one. The idea of of walking towards your mountain suggests that, A, your mountain is this huge thing that you can see and thus walk towards. Yes, yes. And B, that there's no other mountains around, which is what you just said. But I just want to visit that because I I think that's a really interesting, important thing. So, like, if it's a bit foggy and you can see shapes, any of them could be your mountain. If it's a clear day and you can see four mountains, how do you know which one is your mountain, right? Yes. Except I am that irritating and rare person who knows exactly what his mountain is. I want to write sitcoms. That is all I've wanted to do since I was 17 or 18. That is what my life's work will be. Like, sitcoms is my jam. And I have known this for many, many years. Why? Why? How? Like, why that? And how do you know that? Um, the how do I know that is is much like the uh, how do you know you've found the one kind of question, which is it feels exactly right. And in the moment, there's no way of being more sure. But I mean, like you and I are both people who debunk the concept of the one. Right, but I'm saying that, like, it might not be my mountain. How am I meant to know that if everything about it feels exactly right? This is just so interesting to me because you're such a logic person and your response and reasoning is such a feelings one. I am a logical person who uses feelings as part of the data that I process. Oh, okay. How do you know that you enjoy a sandwich? If you're eating a sandwich, how do you know that you're enjoying it? How do you know that you're enjoying that sandwich? The pesto is on point. What does that mean? How do you know it's on point? Fresh. Flavorful. Like, how do you know that fresh is good? (laughs) Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, the answer is, it's how I feel. It's like, you know, how do you know you're in love? I can go down and, like, analyze my heart rate and the chemicals being released into my brain. But part of the data that I interpret when I'm analyzing things logically is emotions. Being around this kind of person makes me happy. Therefore, I should hang around with that kind of person. I don't go, but how do I know it makes me happy? It does. It's a fact. It makes me happy. Sitcoms feels exactly like it's the thing I was put on this earth to do. And there's no more to analyze than that. It it, it is a feeling that I am analyzing because that's all I have, because there is no objective data on this. I'm just trying to think if there's there's like something, like maybe you'll have like some sort of realization in 20 years that actually sitcoms wasn't it. It was actually like writing drama that's fine like that's a really easy jump to make (laughs) (laughs) but what if it was something that was just like obtusely related to writing sitcoms like 
Stand-up comedy? No, 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 no. I'm thinking more like writing scripts for astronauts for their videos to send back to Earth. You know, like <laughs> something that's like very abstractly related and you're like, actually, no, that is my calling. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's fine. It doesn't stop this from being my calling at the moment. Oh, okay. Okay. I can't predict the future, so I have to go on the data that I have. It's just amazing that it's been so consistent. It's because it has felt right the whole time. By the way, before I forget, uh, the Vlogbrothers, John and Hank Green, have been doing this incredible series. And so far it's two videos, but I think they might do some more on failure. I linked them to you on Twitter, but I don't think you've had a chance to yet. I saw it, but oh I didn't have a... Oh my god. The John Green one is about following up the Fault in Our Stars and the fact that he couldn't, so he quit writing for four years. Oh. He just didn't write for four years. It's it's this incredible video. And because they're like, failure is really, 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 really uncomfortable to talk about, they're both super uncomfortable talking about it, and that makes it so engaging to watch. Oh, cool. Uh, really, really thoroughly recommend checking them out. So sitcoms is my mountain, yep. Got it. You accept that premise. Begrudgingly, yes. <laughs> so Neil Gaiman's metaphor has issues of like, what if there's fog? What if there's lots of mountains? For me, I'm in this annoying position of it is perfectly apt. Sitcoms is my mountain. What have I spent the last eight years doing? Erotica, board games, panel shows, this podcast, <laughs> your other podcast with your brother. Yeah, uh, I talk about it all the time. The best post on the internet is called The Procrastination Matrix by WeightBitWide.com. You're not wearing pants, are you? <laughs> I'm not, no. <laughs> I only just realized. I stood up a few times. You didn't notice them? Nah, I refuse to look at you when you're standing up. <laughs> that was a major sticking point in our relationship. <laughs> yeah, it was a real problem. <laughs> we, had, we had a lying down, sitting down relationship. <laughs> Sorry. Tim Urban talks about... I feel like people who've listened to this podcast, I wonder how many times they have to hear you say that before they're like, okay, fine, I will read. I'll read it. <laughs> Tim Urban talks about the fact that he wanted to be... I think it's an engineer. He wanted to be an engineer. So he went to college to get his engineering degree. And every time it was time to study, he would instead sit down and write tunes on his piano. Yep. So then he was like, ah, oh, look, obviously I don't want to be an engineer. I want to be a film composer. So he moved to Hollywood to score films. And to make money on, on the way, he got a job as a tutor. Every time he sat down at his piano to write songs, he would instead think about his tutoring business and how that could be more profitable and how he could make money from that and how that could be a better business and a better service for the community and so he's like okay obviously i don't want to score films i want to run a really awesome tutoring business so he stopped trying to write music and he started working on his tutoring business full-time and he turned it into a full-time job and every moment that he wasn't in the office like actually working on his tutoring business he would instead start writing these long blog posts <laughs> and that blog became waitbutwhy.com the best site on the internet it just is so fucking good and the thing is, it's really obvious reading through his blog post as he's been writing. And he talks about this in the post, but like, as he's been working on this website, he has to actively fight these distractions. So recently he ran an event called Wait But High. Yeah. Which is, it was like a global meetup event. Did you go to one? I did. I went to one too. Everyone was very lovely. I had a good time. We played board games. The concept of the event was that you'd fill out a survey and not everyone who filled out the survey was chosen, but they'd fill out a survey and there was teams of people being like, how can we put everyone who filled this survey with other people in the same geographical location doing a thing that they will all enjoy? That, to me, sounds exactly like a thing he was doing instead of writing blog posts. <laughs> to be real about that, 
Most of the work on that was done by interns. Okay, I didn't know that. But I, I, I still think that he, he definitely oversaw it. And I still think the concept was one of those ideas that he had to... Oh, yeah. He, he stopped fighting. Absolutely. And so the Procrastination Matrix post is... Oh, it's fucking incredible. I read that and realized, oh, my God. All I want to do is write sitcoms. So in 2008, we've talked about this before, I wrote and shot two sitcom pilots. Totally burned myself out. Took nine months off. Wrote and shot a kids' TV pilot. Was so exhausted after that. Moved to Canberra. Spent nine months just doing improvised theatre. That's the other thing I've been doing, as well as, like, podcasts and stage shows and erotica and board games i've been doing a lot of improv and then after i was done living in canberra doing improv i moved to melbourne and made another kids pilot and then after that did a superhero show i have intimate experiences and feelings and memories of that pilot since then i have not made any tv that was 2000 and 2012 it was january 2012 we shot that since then i have made zero tv and no short films and like barely finished any scripts I've spent the last five years doing exactly what Tim Urban did. So in this blog post, he talks about the fact that things are either urgent or important. And he has these four quadrants. It's all in the blog post. Really recommend checking it out in case that isn't clear. He puts out this thing. It's called the Eisenhower Matrix. I think it's actually was created by someone else. Eisenhower just got famous for using it. I won't try and explain exactly what it is because it's too com- confusing to do over audio. But it's in the blog post and I have a picture of it at my desk in my room. But one of the things he talks about is that when something is both important and not urgent. So for me, it might be something like finally launching writing music or finally launching that tears project that I've been working on for two years. That is important to me, but there is no deadline. There is zero deadline for that except for what I make up. And that makes it so easy to avoid because it is so important to myself. It's so intimidating that it's impossible to start. Yes. This blog post is called The Procrastination Matrix because it's dedicated to procrastinators. And I would never have described myself as a procrastinator because I get so much shit done. Like, I am constantly doing stuff. But the stuff I am doing is stuff that my brain has carefully formulated so that I feel productive without actually working on my goals. Yes. In the post, he calls that the success-donator. So you actually sent me this blog post when we weren't really speaking. Like we were just coming back into contact with each other and you sent it to me and you're like, this changed my life. And I read it and I couldn't sleep because I was just thinking about all of the time that I have wasted (laughs) and all of the things I didn't get done. And I was genuinely actually really embarrassed. I didn't want to tell you how much (laughs) it meant to me, but it was really helpful because you were like, I've been procrastinating about everything in my whole life forever. But he talks about the success donator, which is someone who achieves a lot, but not of the things that they would define as important, if that makes sense. Like you get things done, you can fill up your to-do list and like tick it off and you've done all of that shit. But in terms of the like important but not urgent things. In terms of your mountain, you're not actually walking towards it. Yeah. You're not getting there. And so my mountain, as I've said, sitcoms. Like that is an important premise for this conversation. (laughs) My mountain is sitcoms and I know my mountain is sitcoms. Yeah, you got it way easier than a bunch of other people. Yeah, so I am am already way ahead and yet no closer to my mountain than I was five years ago. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I read this blog post and I realized that the panel shows I'd been making 
had nothing to do with getting to sitcoms. Like, I, I could justify it in my head. I was like, if I can get a panel show that works, then we can get that on TV, then that'll make me the right connection so I can make a TV show. Or you could just make a sitcom that was good and <laughs> get some funding for a pilot. And Yeah. So reading that post was, yeah, the biggest gut punch. It changed my life more than any other piece of writing I've ever read. That was over a year ago. I still haven't made a sitcom. <laughs> I mean, you've done a bunch of other stuff, like move to a different country. Right. And so I am really, really talented at not <laughs> achieving my goal. Oh, I'm really glad that that sentence ended that way. That is a, <laughs> a skill that I am impressed. And not only like not achieving it, but not achieving it in a way that I've tricked myself into thinking I'm achieving it. I'm sure there's a really good ace of fable or like a clever metaphor someone's made about someone who thinks they're escaping the cave while never, while never leaving the cave. Something like that. I'm sure that exists. I wish I could reference it, but I don't know it. I have effectively, for five years now, convinced myself that I'm working towards making sitcoms while getting no closer to making sitcoms. Yes. Wow. And only in the last week have I woken up to that fact again. After it happened a year ago, my brain is... It's like I'm in the fucking Matrix and someone tells me I'm in the Matrix and I managed to justify my way out of it. It's It's like John Nash in A Beautiful Mind. Like, I can twist whatever the information I have into a path that leads me away from the mountain constantly. Wow. It's a terrifying thing that I have to basically, like, print a poster out to remind myself that I'm doing it all the time. And I'm going to talk through it a little bit. I don't know how tedious it's going to be. We might have to cut this out. But I was working on panel shows because I thought, I'll get on TV and then I'll be able to make sitcoms from there. What a backdoor way of doing that. Yeah, nonsense. And then I read the Procrastination Matrix post and I was like, oh my God, that's not going to work. And, and I actually stand by this, I'm not going to make sitcoms in, in Australia because sitcoms in Australia don't get made. There's House Husbands? That was not a sitcom. That was a drama. I worked on that. Damn it. Okay, I don't know enough about Australian TV. There's The Bachelor. Is that a sitcom? <laughs> the only Australian sitcoms have been made by established comedians. And I mean, uh, like, years Lawrence established. And... Josh Thomas. Yeah. And the, the thing that really blew my mind about that, I've read the Procrastination Matrix post and started making meetings with people to be like, how can we get this happening? Like, I found anyone I knew who had any kind of connection to TV and was like, I want to make sitcoms. I want to make them on TV. How can we do that? And genuinely, people who are like, in the industry, said, do you know the company Working Dog? Yeah, I do. They made The Castle, The Dish, uh, a lot of Australia's greatest comedies. They cannot make sitcoms in Australia. Yes. They want to make shows and they are not able to. Peter, (laughs) do you think you are going to have more clout than Working Dog? No. Is the answer no? And I went... The answer is no, isn't it? I went no. So at this point, I could see the mountain and there were a bunch of forests and I was being told the forests are actually impenetrable. Like maybe there's a one in 60 million chance that you'll be able to get through that forest. It's very unlikely. And so I went, okay, there is a really clear path of that mountain through America because I know how to get a sitcom on TV in America. It is a like 15 year process, but I actually know the steps involved to getting that happening. Yeah. Yeah. It is possible, first of all. <laughs> I really like this idea. For some reason, I really, just really like this idea of this metaphor where you see the mountain and then you go up and you, like, talk to the trees. It's like, I think I was watching Princess Mononoke the other day, which is a <laughs> Studio Ghibli film, and it's just a very beautiful Studio Ghibli image of you trying to converse with the trees and the trees saying, uh, no. 
pointing to all the corpses like 50 meters in. Yeah, being like, no one makes it through here. And being like, look, you can try. You're probably going to die like all these people do. So at that point I said, okay, I need to get to America. And you've noticed that getting to America has been an obsession with mine for the whole time we've done this podcast. Because America is where sitcoms get made. Wait on, wait on. You're trying to get to America? (laughs) Fuck you. How do I not know this? (laughs) I feel like you don't listen when we record this or when you listen back to it. Or or ever. (laughs) Or ever. And so I went, okay, how can I get to America? There is a visa called the Alien of Extraordinary Ability. Which is such a weird title. You need to be outstanding in your field, as in like top 10 to 50 people in your field in the world. If you can accomplish that, America will let you in and you can live in America. Yes. And so... Remember how I was talking about my clever twisty brain who like shows me the yeah, path to the like, mountain? Yeah, it's like, I will do that by becoming a board game designer. Yeah. I was like, I have connections in board games. I have board games already written because that was another thing I used to use to distract myself. Oh, you are making a lot more sense now. <laughs> and so I very, very easily convinced myself, okay, here's what I'm going to do. The next like f- two to five years, board games. That will get me into America. Then once I'm in America, sitcoms. And the thing about the seductive nature of my brain's twisty paths is that if it was a shitty idea, I just wouldn't do it. Like, if the idea was, ah, I'm going to learn how to train dolphins, and then after six years of that, I'll start making sitcoms. That's obviously a bad idea, so that doesn't trick me at all. Oh, you are, I am not, I am, I will not be foiled by your (laughs) tempting dolphin training. (laughs) This one... Even now saying it, I'm like, that makes some sense. Like, it actually makes some sense. Oh, erotica. I didn't talk about erotica. But the path that erotica gets me is, like, creative and financial freedom. So once I don't have to worry about that anymore, I can spend my time writing sitcoms. (laughs) Genius, right? Yeah. Except I didn't. (laughs) I never did that. Yeah, this is like a... uh, I'm impressed by your tenacity. Like fighting against my own brain, or...? No, no, I just feel like they're sure. Is there an easier way? Like, well, okay, I'll, I'll get to that. So, I am. Oh my God, I'm such a fucking idiot. You know how you were saying, like, you look back and you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't waste years of my life on that. Uh, no, that's exactly not how I. Oh no, I do feel. Yeah, okay, so I do feel that way about some the food truck <laughs> stupid ideas I've had, but I also feel that way about a bunch of other stuff. So the plan was to make board games until board games could become my primary in- income, stop writing erotica, and then write sitcoms in the in the time that I used to write board games. So when I think about these kinds of like conversations we have with ourselves, I always think of the word just. <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll just make a full-time living as a board game designer, and then I'll have enough time to blah, blah, blah. Like for me, particularly when we go back to, I'll just make a food truck like you know (laughs) i'll just make a podcast (laughs) i seriously catch myself all the time and i notice that sometimes i can be really cynical when other people are telling me about their projects because i have learned to like monitor and like search and destroy the word just in my own internal monologue because nothing ever just happens doesn't (laughs) just get done yeah there there is something like maybe 40 to 80 board game creators who do it full-time, like, in the world. Yes. I have 
an incredible ego. It is an impressive ego. It is It is a force to be reckoned with. So I will just become one of those 80 people. And then, once I've passed that small hurdle, I'll start writing sitcoms. Yeah, wow. Now, one of the things that I skipped during this whole story is this podcast that we are doing right now. Yes. Like, how does this get me any closer? <laughs> how does, like, we're going to keep doing this because we've hit, I, th- I think when he says successinator, he's referring to people who cannot procrastinate anymore on the thing that they're doing because they have an audience. Like, they've reached a level of success where it has become a thing that they have to do and that's how they keep on following their goal. I think that that's a different one, but let's not go into the tedium of trying to work that out. But he does talk about the fact that like, if you can find a way to make the thing that you're procrastinating from something that, that you know, like, that make a urgent. deadline for that. Yeah, make it urgent. So, for one thing, like, this podcast is is a thing that makes that thing urgent because there's... We have to a, upload every There's week. an audience. Also, for me, like, the Patreon makes things... It gives things deadlines and also, like, it, people who I feel... Uh, watching me and I'm nervous about and it's also really really great but you know there's also an element of like oh shit I gotta do something and it's it's good stress absolutely on this path of like twists this one isn't even one of those I was just like I was like we'll just do a podcast once a week that takes hardly any work right I do remember you let's just do it and and I do have that attitude of let's just do it small bets but I was very much like okay well let's just do three episodes so now I'm in a position where one day a week I need to work on this podcast. Like, it takes up that much time. Uh, I've started another podcast with my brother. <laughs> Perfect. I like what you did there. That one's about screenwriting. That was easier for my brain to twist. <laughs> to be like, that's definitely related. Related. Totally related. I work on erotica because that's still my primary source of income. I now work on board games uh, because that is a thing that I've become very successful at. Apparently that's your pathway to sitcoms. That's why you're doing that. Somewhere along along this journey of ridiculousness, I discovered the show Cabin Pressure and realized that I could do that as, instead of being a paid BBC thing, I could do that as a podcast. That would be writing sitcoms. I would be writing sitcoms. That's a thing that I could do that isn't twistable. Like, <laughs> that doesn't deviate me from getting to writing sitcoms because that is writing sitcoms. That's a fucking ski lift to the mountain. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And so I started writing and I I wrote a full draft of two episodes of the show. I got actors together in a room. We read it out loud. I worked out the problems. I wrote down all the stuff that needed fixing. And then for three months straight. You've done nothing. I obsessively created board games that weren't related to my board game company. And I couldn't sell through them. (laughs) So I have been in the last week. Dead serious. You got, I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, Peter, you're a fucking idiot because you speak like that all the time. In the last week, I have started looking up domains and hosting and business information for starting a second board game company. Wow. I don't... Do you see what my brain has done? <laughs> <laughs> see, like, I think you expect me to be like, you're an idiot. But I'm like, yeah, I do the exact same thing. I have basically been on the ski lift to the mountain then glanced down and been like, oh, that path I was taking earlier, I'm going to get back on that, and jumped off the ski lift onto this path and started, like, I mean, obsessively working on this other board game stuff. I spent something like 14 hours straight working on it the other day. I was up until 11 a.m. the next day working on it. Wow. 
Okay, so firstly, I know that experience of when you feel like you've got something and then you just don't sleep and you work on that thing. I think, and this goes back to, I think, uh, the previous episode that we talked about feelings. So for me, that kind of behavior is a way of avoiding the terrifyingness, which is... Trying to accomplish a goal and possibly failing? Yes, yes. Because that's scary and it has... It's it's fecund with terror. <laughs> so I really recognize that when I'm doing that kind of stuff, it's it's actually a coping strategy for these big, intense feelings that I, like, for whatever reason, don't want to, can't look at sort of thing. And I think, the you know, like, awareness is the first step and everyone has a PhD in hindsight. And I, I don't know, I, I don't think you need to be really hard on yourself. I think I do, or else I will do it again and again and again and again. Remember, you and I function very differently. Oh, really? If I am not hard on myself, I will just do it again. If I make myself feel like a piece of dog shit for doing it, that is how I avoid doing it a oh, second time. Yeah. Or third, well, I mean, I've done it a fucking second time. Third time, fourth time. Yeah, okay, yeah. See, I don't work by, by shaming myself. So I, I absolutely do. Like, I need to. That, that's how I that's how Oh, I wow. So here's the thing. I... Oh, my God. I'm going to take you down the path just very briefly. I wanted to get to the mountain, which was writing sitcoms. Yes, I remember the mountain. Couldn't do that in Australia, decided to move to America. Okay. Couldn't move to America, needed to work on board games. To work on board games, decided to live in Toronto. Yes. Because I was close to America, which is the best place to like work on board game stuff. In the process, met and fell in love with Lucy. We are now living together, super happy, really in love, great time. Yes. At some point on that path... Realized that I could make audio sitcoms. Yes. From anywhere in the world. Yes. So you're going to move back to Australia? I mean, if I hadn't met Lucy, I genuinely 100% probably would. Really? The only thing would stopping me... Would you come me... back and marry me? Would you? <laughs> the, the you only thing just me marry that... me. You'll just marry me Shut and up. just have a family. <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 just. The only thing that would stop me is that I really like spending time in America. But you've got to realize there was a point of time then when I... Oh, did I tell you I got my American visa? No. Wait on, what? I got a visa to visit America. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. That's great. Not to live there, yeah. So there was a period of time where I was in Toronto, not allowed to go to America, and having no reason to live in Toronto, except for the fact that I was madly in love with Lucy. Yes. And a little bit frustrated. Like, I wish I was in love, because then I could move back to Australia, and all the sitcom stuff I want to do would be a thousand times easier in Australia... Because of the sheer number of connections I have. Like, yes. imagine the people that you and I know trying to cast an audio sitcom. Like, it would be a game of let's eliminate 90% of the people who would also be great of it to find the best 10%. It would actually be really fun. It I would mean, be super not in fun. That, like, not in that eliminating people way, just <laughs> in a, like, so much choice. It would be super fun and it would be really, really easy to do because I have all the connections. Oh my God, it would be so much easier to do. <laughs> So my, my path has taken me away from the mountain <laughs> quite substantially in a really obnoxious way. <laughs> and this realization I've had in the last two days, I had while recording with my little brother. Oh, really? Episode 13, I was like, man, should I start this second board game company? I'm going to ask my little brother. And basically I asked him and he was, to continue with the metaphor, he was like, wait a second, you're thinking of jumping off the ski lift. That's taking you to the mountain. So you... Why? Yes. And I was like... Oh, yeah. Why... Why am I... 
like you can hear me on the show like it's episode 13 of let's write a movie it's in the first like the first 40 minutes of basically us talking about this and like there is audio of me realizing what a fucking idiot (laughs) i was about to be by starting a second board game company I think the thing is when you're creative and you see something that you could do and you're like, oh, I could be the person that does that. You know, that's why it's so much of getting somewhere useful and committing to something is just about saying no to other stuff, which is also good opportunities. And then it's about that thing which we talked about before, which will probably be in the previous episode. Yeah, we're definitely splitting this in two. Of like, am I the best person to do this? And not am I in the do I have the skills and talent and blah, blah, blah. But does this does this align well? The struggle that I've been having and the reason I brought up with my brother is that, like, I want to write sitcoms. That's all I want to do. Every day I'm not writing sitcoms a day. I'm not moving towards the mountain. I'm actually really good at board game design. Yeah. And I don't say that to be, like, full of myself. It's just it's about systems and logic, and that's how my brain operates. And so I've discovered that I'm actually good at this thing, and now I have a bunch of opportunities in this field. And so I was making fun of myself for thinking of starting a second board game company. I still might, but I'm going to get this sitcom made first, you know? Yay. Yay, Peter. Claps for Peter. I'm very publicly holding myself accountable for this. (laughs) So, like, if it doesn't happen by, like, when? Like, what's a good date? So when I was working on it back in April, I was saying I was going to do it by the end of the year. I don't think that's likely anymore. Jellybean Games, I'm still going to work on. It would be really foolish to throw that away. This this podcast, I'm still going to work on. It would be really foolish to throw this away. This is part of the reason I'm trying to diverge myself with some of the responsibilities because I'm like, this is a fucking trap. <laughs> I'm good at it. This is good. People are liking it. I enjoy doing it. It's not getting me any closer to the mountain. I need to do less of this podcast, basically. Like, it has stopped being like, a, I'd like to have more time and being a, this is... Getting in the way. This is directly opposing me from doing the things I want to do now. So I, I'm going to have to start doing less on this show. I mean, I've just had this same problem of like feeling like the stuff that I want to do is getting pushed out by the stuff that I'm like, yeah, yeah. What's actually interesting is one of the things that I found really helpful to actually realize that and make that decision is, has been stuff that's going on with my life in terms of poly because that stuff usually brings up a lot of big feelings and it really is a canary down the coal mine for working out the ways in which you are resentful of your current situation for me anyway so that really made me go like holy fuck that is such a hot point of like i actually don't want to be doing this 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 or this is this podcast one of those things no 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 not this podcast other stuff that i'm not going to name in some ways i find you know those big feelings are actually really really helpful and it, do- it doesn't have to happen in terms it of it shines a light on everything it shines a light on stuff and i don't think you need to be in a poly situation to do that i think that <laughs> can i make like, a metaphor? yeah it's a really bad thing like having a cannonball shot through your roof but it lets the sun in you can be like oh man there is some dust under that <laughs> in poly circles or at least i've heard this term in poly circles they call it a fog it stands for another fucking opportunity for growth which is like (laughs) which is like yeah okay great i'm growing but i fucking hate this it's so painful yeah sorry that was a bit of a tangent no that's totally fine um and so yeah i am that's that's what's been my life over the last two days uh i wasn't going to talk about it and then you exactly described my situation we're kind of both going through this same process at the same time absolutely of like reassessing priorities and being like, okay, what is actually working? What doesn't work? I have this different situation of like, 
I have a very unclear mountain. Yeah. My mountain is very foggy. It's more like a mountain range. Um, <laughs> and in some ways, that's kind of helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's pros and cons of both. The thing is, if I didn't know that sitcoms was a thing, and this is why my conversation with my brother really opened my eyes, it would be better for me in some ways, because then I could be like, look, I'm good at board game. <laughs> Singular. I'm good at board game. <laughs> I am good at board games. I have an audience now because Scuttle did really well and it gave me a built-in like starting audience. It gave me a little bit of a reputation in the industry, like not 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 crazy amounts, but people will often be like, oh yeah, the Scuttle guy, like... It helps that I have a blue beard and I'm Australian. I am friends with some of the best game designers in the world. I mean, like, I hang out with them on a regular basis. I am in this uniquely positioned spot to do amazing things in board games. And if I didn't know so certainly that sitcoms were where I wanted to go, it would be a beautiful thing to just step on that path and be like, let's make board games, let's do it. Except I, I know, like, I know for sure that sitcoms is where I want to go. And even if I'm worse at it than board games, it's still where I want to go and I want to get better at it. And I want to, I just, it's, 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 it's my life. <laughs> I want it to be my life. I think the thing is, it's really difficult to say no to stuff when you feel like you've got all the pieces there. All you need to do is just put them together, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, I'll just put them together in my spare time and then in my real time I'll do this other thing. But of course, like, if you want to be the best at something, if you want to excel, it's very rarely something that you do in your spare time. Yeah. I really relate to this particularly, and this is a bit of a different scenario, but at the end of last year I got offered a position in the Teach for Australia program and the Teach for Australia program is like it's like the most select entry graduate program in Australia. You get intensive training and then you go teach in a disadvantaged school for two years and then you earn your master's in teaching at the same time and you get paid while you do it. I've got a number of people I know who've done the program and particularly at that point I was in this position where I felt like I didn't really have anything. Like for me, it was like all the pieces were there. Here's this thing. It will Here's give the you path. It will give you the, the safety and credibility and the things that you want out of something like that, that you want, you know, like feeling like I've done something proper. I could have a proper job if I wanted to. I don't know if you remember, I spent so much time talking you out of that. Oh my God. Like I know. days. I spent full fucking days trying to talk you out of taking the Teach for Australia thing because you would have dropped out within like two months. See, I don't know that I would have, but I think the thing is that at that point in time, I really, I had a bunch of stuff that I was working on and I was really excited about my creative opportunities, but I really hadn't done that much. Like there wasn't enough of a pull or people interested in what I was doing to warrant. Justify. Yeah, to justify being, but, but I did. I, at that point I was like, look, I'm deciding actually to have faith in these creative things because, you know, I can come back to this this Teach for Australia program if I want to, but I don't think that I'm in a situation where I can commit to that right now because there's all this other stuff going on. And that was, as you said, you talked to me about it for days. That was a terrifyingly difficult decision because at that stage I'd spent a lot of time on my mental health and a big one of my fears, anxieties, terrors is that I won't be able to look after myself. And a big part of that is to do with my career. So... I was at this point where I had been given this thing that I had, like I had on a plate, like just do this thing, which 
again, no just because it would have been absolutely, <laughs> it would have been so much work. Oh, yeah. But I had this opportunity to do this thing, which in many ways fulfilled and satiated a lot of the fears that I had, which were like, I'm never going to be able to look after myself. I'm not going to be a proper adult. And so that's why it was such a difficult decision to make because it did have so many of the things that I really did want. And in some ways that I do still want. That's where I am with the second board game company. I'm like, this will get me, assuming it works, but you know me, I'm going to assume it works. This will get me a really nice income. It'll get me respect in a field. It will get me into America. It will get me, it'll get me, it'll get me, it'll get me. It's a thing that I am obsessively working on. So I know I'm passionate about, but just like Tim Urban at the piano, like as soon as that becomes the thing, I will lose that passion. Yeah. Well, as soon as you try and make the thing that you do out of passion, the thing that you do, it fundamentally changes your attitude towards the thing and your relationship with the thing. That's why I think, you know, for a lot of people, particularly who study creative degrees, the process of studying art for me, which was like having a really messy three year long breakup with my love for art. <laughs> and I, I've talked to a lot of other people who have a similar experience of like, it turned that thing that you loved into a thing that you did and, it does change it. It doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. It just means that I'm quite particular about how I go about things now. If anyone listening to this hasn't yet, read The Dip by Seth Godin. It's short, which at first I was yeah. like, oh, that feels like a ripoff. But the fact that it's short makes it super approachable. Like you can read it in, in an hour, half an hour, two hours, I don't know, how, how, depending on how fast you read. And it's really good. Yeah, we actually talked about it on... We have a monthly Patreon group call, and I'm actually starting to quite enjoy it. And... Last time someone asked, uh, what do you do when you're going through moments of creative doubt? And we just flew out a bunch of resources. And one of them was The Dip by Seth Godin, which is a really amazing book. So I spent a couple of days desperately talking you out of Teach for Australia. I would like it if you re like returned the favor, I guess, uh, and just helped, helped me keep my eyes on the mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. So you want like a spotter. I want to spot a, I want to do less podcast work. <laughs> well, can I just say already, I've been actively changing my situation so that you do less podcast work. Just You've been that out nailing there. that. You're Nailing awesome. that. Because it's interesting because our lives are now, because we work on this together, our lives are... Professionally linked? Fundamentally entwined. So I've talked about how like the last two months I've been really stressed and that is that flows over yep. into you. <laughs> By the way, this podcast recording, like, I reckon you'll listen to this and you'll listen to the previous one that we did last week, and you will tell the difference between, like, a totally stressed, burned-out SJ and a on-holiday in Darwin SJ. Well, I've been actively trying to do not things because I realise that I'm just not, I'm not really enjoying very many things at the moment. You're recharging. I'm just like, oh, I need to wait until I like things again. <laughs> I am going to finish this up with, with one just story because I think you'll enjoy this. So wait on, before you go into that story, so as a spotter, what do you need from me? As a mountain spotter, I'm like your mountain guide. You're a person who I bounce ideas off. So basically ask the question, is this getting you towards the mountain? Okay, I'm really good with my words. Make sure that my answer <laughs> is actually going to get me towards the mountain and not a clever path. Okay. I need you to see through my bullshit at times when I can't. Okay. Which is exactly what my brother did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up with one last just story that I think you'll enjoy. You remember how I was saying that I worked until 11 a.m. on a project? Yes. Like from the previous day, I worked until 11 a.m. Uh, you and I had just recorded and 
after that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this one thing together and then I will get to the writing that I desperately need to do, which was erotica karate. I had a commission that was due. Ooh. I will just work on this for a little bit. 11 a.m. comes around <laughs> and I had still not finished the one little task that I was going to do. And actually I had finished it. That's why I went to bed. So I was just going to finish this one little task. It took me through from like 10 p.m. until 11 a.m. the next day. And I didn't get any close to my commission. I mean, that's the thing about the post that Tim Urban has, which is like a really successful way of procrastinating from a project that has become challenging is to start a project that is in the fun bit where you're like, oh my God, I could get socks manufactured in blah, blah, blah. And then are they ethically produced? What kind of dyes? Sublimation dye or should I go with knitted in? You know, I know way too much about socks. Because I get off on accomplishment, I don't procrastinate with video games or with reading or anything like that. I procrastinate with fully formed projects that then go out into the world. Like, I procrastinate with a company called Jellybean Games, which is now pretty successful. Yes. That's an effective procrastination. Uh, We have some new outros. And in fact, we've had these new outros for a while. They have just been trapped in the bottomless well that is SJ's email inbox. Have they? Yeah, someone emailed me and said, hey, I noticed you're out of outros. I sent this to SJ like two months ago. And I was like, oh, that was a poor idea. I did look for it. I I did look through my email. So if you have an outro, we spoke once about sending it to SJ. Don't do that. Send it to contact at beinghonestwithmakes.com or straight to me, peter at beard.blue. And that way it will definitely get onto the show. I just want to say I did search my email to try and see if there were any in there. (laughs) But I obviously didn't find them. Sorry. This one is from Amanda. Thanks for listening to Being Honest With My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends. I don't have any sons, but even if I did, I'm pretty sure Peter would not be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, but I appreciate the honesty. I mean, that, that's all we want. Uh, that's all we ask for from our listeners. Total. Thank you, Amanda. Unrelenting honesty. Uh, and th- thank you uh, for listening, people. Um, thank you for listening, people. I don't know. What, what, th- good thank English, you. good. Thank you, listening. No, thank, thank you for listening, people. Alrighty. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, also, thank you, world, for listening, people, which are the people who listen to this podcast. This has been an interesting episode. I'm excited about becoming your spotter. I've already, <laughs> like, I'm like, I wonder if there's a way I could just put up, like, a h- bunch of auto-send emails that spam Peter's inbox to be like, have you found the mountain? Are you moving towards the mountain? Where's the mountain, Peter? Here's something specific you can do. At the end of every week, check in to see if I've worked on one of the sitcoms. And if I haven't, be a real dick about it. Like, You know, my friend, a friend of mine introduced me to the idea of a human deadline, which is if you have a big project coming up, asking someone to ask you like every week or two, like, what are you doing on that thing? Which is what you're asking now. I just like the I like the phrase "human deadline," and <laughs> I know people have done it to help them write and finish their books. I know I've proposed to you before, SJ. Will you be my human deadline? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a much more positive response than the last time you proposed. <laughs> That's all for us this week. Thank you for listening, people, and we'll be in your ears next week. Thank you. As well as someday, hopefully, my audio sitcom will be. If you choose to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best fucking thing ever. Just has to exist first. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye.